You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, good morning. Hello, family. So today, um, I have a message that God put on my heart a few weeks ago. But I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to need y'all to preach with me this morning because um, the devil doesn't want me to say what I have to say today. And I've been struggling with it. Um, It it was just crazy. And I know that it's a God-ordained message. So I'm going to just pray. I'm going to pray before we start. Um, Normally, we like to coast into a message, but today I'm just going to helicopter on in and roll with it. So before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Holy Father, we just love you so much. We're thankful and grateful that we can gather in your house, Father, and worship you and praise you and give you all the honor that you deserve, Lord. And I just pray today, Father, that you take control of my mind, my will, my emotions, my vocal cords, Lord. I surrender them to you. Father, I ask that you give me enunciation and diction. And Father, let your word come through my mouth into our hearts, Lord, and let us be changed forever. Father, I surrender everything I have, every word I've written to you, Lord, and to the work of your Holy Spirit. Have your way, God, and we bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, as y'all know, today is October 31st, right? It's the end of the month. It's the beginning of a new month. We're getting closer to Christmas. That's my favorite time of the year. I actually told Bob, I said, "Um, okay, Monday, we take all this stuff down and we bring out the Christmas trees. And he's like, Maybe we'll do it Wednesday, but today's October 31st, and it's also Halloween, right? There's a lot of chatter out there as to whether or not Christians should celebrate Halloween. And, you know, I, we all have opinions, right? There's the opinion that absolutely not. It's the devil's holiday. We're not going to do it, right? There's, you know, people that feel that way, and that, that's, that's fine. Um, you know, there's other people that say, no, it's okay. It's just for the kids. It's candy. I mean, that's the attitude I used to take. Hey, it's just, let's just get a lot of free candy. I remember when the girls were little, I used to go through their bags, man, and we'd pick out all the bad candy and we'd give them like, you know, the piñata candy. We'd take all the good stuff and leave them. Anyway, so um, for many years now, though, I've made a personal decision that I don't celebrate Halloween. I have fall decorations. I like them. I think they're beautiful. I'll put my little pumpkin on the porch and, you know, put some little, you know, hay bales out and do that kind of thing. But I don't necessarily celebrate Halloween, but I will go trick-or-treating with the grandkids. That's fun. I still do the candy trick. (laughs) They're like, naughty. And, um, but we do that. And tonight, matter of fact, we're going to head out probably in two different directions and go trick-or-treating with the kids. And I'm not here to tell you what to do on October 31st. That's your decision. That's your life. But what I am here to tell you is that heaven and hell are real. And there are demonic spirits out there. There are angels out there and there are demons out there. The devil and his demonic spirits exist. And they're not playing games and they're not looking for free candy. I want that to sink in for a second. You know, scripture tells us as Christians, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. I just want to tell you what that means is basically we need to stay relevant, but we also need to stay true to Jesus, to the word of God. 
We need to relate to our community, and we did. We did a great job relating to the community around us. A couple of nights ago, we had a fall festival. Notice we didn't have a Halloween carnival. We had a fall festival. And I made sure that the goodie bags we gave out to the kids had things that pointed them back to Jesus, to the light of Jesus Christ. Even some of the bags said, let your light shine for Jesus. Because we want to relate to the community and have fun, but at the same time, we need to honor God and stay true to him. And we want to send a message to our own kids that we can still have fun and honor God at the same time. The truth is, celebrating Halloween is not biblical. It's not biblical at all. It started as, and it still is, a pagan, which means not of God, holiday, or pagan celebration. It's not even a holiday. Let me tell you what that word holiday stands for. It stands for holy day, which is supposed to be for God, honoring God. So it's not a holiday. It's a celebration, and it's a pagan celebration to pagan gods. And, you know, this is obvious all around us. You go into H-E-B, and I remember when the kids were younger, I used to cover their eyes because there's like some scary, demonic-looking stuff on the Halloween aisle, even at the grocery store. You can't avoid it. It's all around us. It's obvious that there's a lot of demonic stuff going on in this world. Satan's always pushing his agenda, y'all. That's, that should not come as a surprise to you, and, and keep your eyes open, and you'll see it more and more. But, you know, there's even Dia de los Muertos, and I know that's a big tradition, building altars for you know, dead relatives, basically. And, and again, I know that's a cultural thing, and I'm not disrespecting that tradition at all. But hear me when I tell you, Jesus is countercultural. He's not concerned with the culture. He's countercultural. And there's nothing about Halloween that has anything to do with Jesus. But there's a lot about it that has to do with Satan. Satan and dynamic, dyna, demonic spirits. See, he's trying to get me not even be able to say it. But with that in mind... I want to talk to you today about three spirits. Everybody's talking about spirits today on Halloween. Well, I want to talk about three spirits. A friend of ours sent me a funny little meme the other day. He texted me a little meme, and it said, there's no ghost in this house but the Holy Ghost. And I laughed. I thought, that's true. That's real. He knows me well. It's very true. (laughs) But, you know, the reason is because he knows me, and he knows that I don't allow any spirit to live in our home. The Holy Ghost is the only spirit that lives in our house. And, you know, um, I can tell. I can tell when somebody comes in and they're bringing some kind, of, some kind of spirit in my house. And I'm like, nope. Sometimes I just got to stop and pray against that. Because the Holy Ghost is the only ghost allowed in the Stephen household. And I get real passionate about that, y'all. Those of, the, those of y'all that know me well know how passionate I get about that. Because spirits bring with them things. The Holy Spirit is the only spirit that brings peace, stability, and good things. Every other spirit brings death, and it brings confusion and weakness. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1.27 that we are made in the image of God Almighty. So I want to I tell you that that means he's a spirit, we're a spirit. We have three parts to us. We're a three-part being. God is a triune God. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, right? We're made in his image, so we're three in one. We have three parts. We are a spirit. That is who we are. We are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. That's why, because we are spirit beings, we can feel spirits around us. 
it's just part of life in this world. Just remember, our real identity is a spirit. Our body is just our transportation. It's how we communicate and interact with the world that we live in, but it's not who we are, and we have to be careful that we remember that. This is temporary, y'all. This is not forever. Thank God it's not forever. The Bible tells us that we get a new body in heaven. I'm looking forward to that one. But our spirit is who we really are. That's how God created us, in his image, as a three-part being. Again, I'm going to say it. We are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. There are also three levels of living for us. The lowest level, I call it bottom dweller like a catfish. The lowest level of living is living from our flesh. And that's a churchy word. And basically what it means is living out of um, just our senses. It's walking, talking, breathing, eating our flesh. That's our, basically our physical body and our senses. Now the second lowest level of living is living on a soulish level from our soul. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's what we think, what we feel like, and the decisions and choices we make, which, by the way, affect the bottom level, our body. The choices we make affect our body most times. The soul level is the second lowest level. The highest level of living, the highest level that we're called to live out of, and again, we are spirit beings. We are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. So the highest form of living is living by our spirit, who we really are, truly who we really are, because our spirit communicates with God, with the Holy Spirit. So living on the highest level means you allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit, by God's spirit. It's not based on how we feel. It's not based on what we think. It's not based on anything that has anything to do with our senses. So now that you have some basic information, I want to talk about the spirits around us. It's not going to get weird, don't worry. I'll, I'll keep it normal. But again, again, keep in mind what I said earlier. Our real identity is a spirit, which means we respond to spirits. I know I keep saying that, but I really need to say it again. We are a spirit that has a soul that lives in our transportation, our body. And you know, there are spirits around us all the time. Whether you see it, whether you believe it, it's real. It's like gravity. You don't have to believe in gravity, but you're sitting in that chair because of gravity. You don't see gravity, but it's real. So whether we believe in it or not, there are spirits around us all the time, good and bad. The Bible talks of angels ministering to Jesus. When he came out of the wilderness experience, God sent angels to minister to him, right? God sends angels as ministering spirits to help us. But on the flip side, we have an enemy who wants to take us out. He literally wants to kill us. That's what scripture says. Satan has one objective and one objective only. And he has help from fallen angels. And those are demons and demonic spirits. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, in other words, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Notice it says, like a roaring lion. He is not a lion. He has no power. He has been defeated at the cross, but he pretends. He's a poser. He's a fake. 
Revelation 12, 9 says, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, I guess that's why I don't really like snakes, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Those are demonic spirits. And you know, I used to think that demons weren't real. There was a time in my life and my mom would say something about it. I was like, mm, she's crazy. She's talking crazy again. But you know what? As I look back over my life, I don't have to be convinced of the spiritual realm anymore because the devil and his demonic spirits did everything they could to take me out through alcoholism, rejection, lust, all kinds of things came, tried to take me out. Offense. Offense is a big one, y'all. I could go on and on. But I came here today to expose the enemy of our souls and how he uses two particular spirits to try to destroy our lives and the, God, the plans that God has for us. And I'm going to also give you the weapon to combat those spirits. So the spirits that I want to uncover is the spirit of rejection and his cousin, the spirit of offense. So let's first talk about rejection. Now, again, this is a little hard for me because I battle rejection to this day. I still battle it, but I'm battling it. And me and Jesus are winning that. We're winning the war. It's just another battle. It's just another battle. So the spirit of rejection usually comes about by some type of pain or trauma that we've experienced in life. That's a psychological fact, but God's the author of psychology, so that's a, that's a spiritual principle. It usually comes from pain or trauma that we've experienced. And it specifically, the spirit of rejection, specifically targets our feelings and our emotions. All of us have experienced some form of rejection in our lives. If you sit there and you think about your life, there's been some point in your life where you have had a seed of rejection planted in you. For me, it started in the womb. My mom used to always make it well known to everybody that I wasn't wanted, that she wasn't planning on having me. I was a mistake. That seed of rejection was planted in the womb. I wasn't even here yet, and the devil was already working to take me out. And it also looks like little kids on the playground, right? You're the last kid that gets picked. That's a seed of rejection right there. How does it make you feel? It makes you feel bad, rejected, right? That's a seed of rejection. It can also look like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard little kids talk sometimes, but they'll say to each other, you're not my friend anymore. That's a seed of rejection. Little things like that, we don't see them if we're not looking for them. But you know, I remember one particular incident. My granddaughter came home from, from school and she said, Nani, so-and-so said they don't want to be my friend anymore. I said, you know what, Miha, I rebuke that. I reject that. You need to reject that in Jesus' name. You are accepted. You are loved. You are well able because Jesus says so. And she's like, okay. <laughs> but we have to take responsibility. And if our kids don't know it, we have to teach them. Don't accept that rejection. That's from the enemy. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. So the spirit of rejection, like I said, it targets our feelings and our emotions. And a spirit of rejection is so demonic because it wants you to live 
on that soulish, fleshy level, the bottom dweller. It wants you to stay a bottom dweller like a catfish. It wants you to scrub up the leftovers. A spirit of rejection wants you to live out of your feelings, your emotions. You don't feel like doing something, so you don't do it. You're never satisfied. You don't feel content with what you have, so you go chasing the next best thing. That comes from a spirit of rejection out of the emotions, your feelings, your, your lowest level, your soulish and your fleshy level. It's like you never can seem to be content with what you have, right? You always want more, better. And it's okay to want better. God has good things for us. But when you just can't seem to ever rest and be satisfied, and I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to y'all. This is real. This is something that a lot of us, if we think about it, we struggle with. It's not bad to want better, but if you're just constantly looking and looking and looking and searching and striving for that, that's typically a spirit of rejection. And I'll tell you one thing, a spirit of rejection has caused divorces, affairs, bankruptcy, because people are chasing a feeling. Another thing is rejection will lead to low self-worth. Have you ever known someone who just seems to date the bad boys? I used to be that person, actually. But think about it. They're always chasing the bad boys because it's so exciting. That's not exciting. That's a hot mess. But a spirit of rejection will have you feeling so low about yourself that you don't deserve better or that you'll never get better. Have you ever known somebody who lives with an abusive partner? Again, guilty. They stay because they feel like they can't get any better. Or worse, somehow they deserve it because they're not worthy. They're not good enough. That's a spirit of rejection. Those are seeds of rejection that had been planted and grew, and now you've got a root of rejection there, and it, it impacts all the rest of your life if you don't know what's going on. And the worst thing of all is when you know somebody who stays in an abusive relationship and they take it on as their fault. That's harsh. That's so hard. These things are most likely a spirit of rejection at work in their lives, telling them you're not going to get any better than this. Just stick with it. Have you ever encountered someone that you just seem to have to walk on eggshells around because they're always offended? Like you can't even ask them a question without them getting all upset, thinking you got some kind of ulterior motive, and you're just like, ugh. It's like walking on eggshells. I'm sure some of us know people like that, right? That's a spirit of rejection. When someone always seems to get offended, and you're just, you're just having conversation, making conversation, just being you, but yet they always seem to get offended by something, that is a spirit of offense that comes from rejection. These two demonic spirits typically work together. Now, I'm not saying all of these issues are because of rejection, but I am saying that a spirit of rejection is demonic and it's deadly because it gets us to rely on something that's constantly changing, and that's our feelings. Now, I want to clarify, I'm not saying that our feelings are bad. They're not. They're part of the soul that God created in us, and they're there for a reason. Jesus had emotions. Jesus had feelings. He cried when his friend Lazarus died, right? We read about that in the scripture. He was angry. He was angry when they turned the temple into a flea market. Jesus went in there and tore it up. 
throwing money everywhere, turning over tables. He lit it up in there. He was angry. Jesus had emotions and he had feelings. He actually lamented on the walk to the cross, y'all. So our feelings are part of who we are. Scripture refers to the emotions of Jesus and his feelings in Hebrews 4.15. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. So feelings in and of themselves aren't bad, but we cannot rely on them solely to lead us because they'll lead us away from God. That's a bold statement, but I didn't make it. That's from Galatians 5, 16. That's Paul saying, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. That's not my word. That's in the Bible, Galatians. So what is the flesh? The flesh is basically living out of your feelings and emotions. And when we're giving in to any behavior or feeling that's contrary to the word of God, then we know we're operating out of our flesh and our emotions. Living from our feelings will lead us to excess in either direction. A whole lot, very little. Really high, really low. When you live out of your feelings, that's where you're at. Up here, down there. There's no middle ground. It's not stable. It's unsteady. So what's the solution to rejection and offense? These demonic spirits. It's the other spirit I want to talk about. It's the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. You know, none of that is a surprise to Jesus. He knew because he warned us in Matthew 5, He said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus knew that the enemy was going to try to plant those seeds of rejection that would lead to a spirit of offense. So he gave us a solution. I'm going to say it again, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Persecution is rejection, y'all. Why would Jesus tell us to do that if we weren't going to be attempted to have a spirit of offense coming from rejection? He knew it. So he gave us a way to fight against that spirit of offense. And that way is love and prayer. That sounds so simple. It's like, really, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Jesus said so. We tend to make Christianity so complicated. It's not complicated. Pursue God. Love people. Love, pray. Following God is really easy. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 8, that earnest love covers a multitude of sins. Earnest love. Earnest means characterized by a serious, intent state of mind. Serious, intent state of mind. Intentional love covers all kinds of offenses. Intentional love. And intentional love is the key to getting rid of a spirit of offense. And you know, the spirit of offense is everywhere. Think about it. People are so offended these days. 
they 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 get mad about everything. Driving down the freeway, oh my gosh, me and Bob just rolling down the road on 410 and somebody's blowing their horn at us. I'm like, what's going on? I mean, I'm from Houston. If you blow your horn like that, somebody's going to get shot, okay? But here, they don't understand that. They honk their horn. They be waving just one finger at you and screaming at you out the window. They're just so offended. Don't get in my lane. You offended me. People are canceling people because they're so offended. That's a spirit of offense. And it comes from rejection. My point is, the spirit of God manifests in his word. Manifest means just found in his word. The spirit of God found in his word will destroy a stronghold of a spirit of offense and rejection. His word tells us to love and to pray. When you feel rejected, ignored, pushed out, passed over, all of those things, love that person that you feel is rejecting you. Love that person and pray for them. Prayer is huge. You can't hate somebody when you're praying for them. That doesn't go together. It's like oil and water. Can't hate and love or hate and pray at the same time. It's impossible. Because as you're praying for them, God starts working on your heart. That's why he says, love and pray. So he can work on our hearts so we don't allow a spirit of offense to rise up in us. Love the person that you think is rejecting you. Pray for them. And then let God's love flow in your heart so that you can believe what he says in his word about you. Jeremiah 31.3 is one of my very favorite verses. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's God. That's what God says. He loves us with an everlasting love. And you know what? He loves us whether we're a Christian or whether we're not. He loves us. He created us. He created us for a relationship with him because of that everlasting love. His word is yea and amen. There is no shadow of turning in our God. He is true. He is faithful. And when he says something, it is. It just is. If you don't believe me, look outside. He said, let there be, and there is. And we have a world that we live in because God's word is yea and amen. It is true. There's no shadow of doubt. Romans 8.39 says, nothing, as in no thing, can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Nothing. God loves us, no matter what, no matter what we do, no matter what we did last night, no matter what we're going to do when we get out on 410. God help us. 410 is like I-45 in Houston. There's always traffic on it. And there's always some kind of destruction going on in this town. I mean, they've been building Blanco since we moved here in 2010. They're still building Blanco. Tear it up, build it again. What is that? Anyway, the Bible says to earnestly love, intentionally love. This means we are to be intentional about it, especially when we don't feel like it. You know what? We need to conquer those fickle feelings. You do know our feelings are fickle, right? They change. You wake up one day, you're happy, happy, happy. Let something happen on 410 or 281 or Blanco. And then you're all mad, mad at the world, mad at the day, going to work with attitude. Feelings are fickle. We have to conquer them. Let me give you another example. Remember your first crush? Can you remember their name? No. Do you remember who that was? And you were all about that person. Oh, he's so cute. He's so precious. Oh, I love him. I want to marry him. You don't even remember their name because the feeling changed. Your feelings change. 
They're fickle. We can't live by our feelings. They're subject to change at any moment based on any circumstance or situation. The other thing Jesus said was to pray. Pray for those who have hurt you. Pray for those who have rejected you. Pray for God to remove a spirit of offense from our hearts. You know, King David understood this. In Psalm 139, 23, he said, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. King David was literally asking God to get anything, any evil spirit-inspired thoughts out of his heart, feelings out of his heart like that. We have to get to the point, y'all, where we refuse to allow demonic spirits to drive our lives. We cannot afford to live our lives and make decisions based on how we feel at any given moment in time. That's a crazy roller coaster ride that leads to death. I mean, how long can you do that? Up, down, up, down, up, down. That's a roller coaster. That makes you dizzy, makes you sick. It just leads straight to death. Death of our potential. Oh, I didn't feel like going to school today, so I'm going to blow it off. I don't feel like it. All that potential dead. Death to our dreams. Maybe God tells you, start a business. Take that money and sow it into that company, but you decide to go out and do something else with that money. Death to the dream. Death to our relationships. You get so upset with somebody, you don't feel like working it out, so you cancel, cancel them. Death of a relationship. Feelings. Feelings lead to death. To be led by the Spirit means living our lives based on the Word of God, His Spirit, His wisdom. So that we can make decisions that honor God and bring peace and stability. Don't you just need some peace and stability in your life? Living out of our feelings is never going to bring that. Living led by the Holy Spirit, absolutely. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. When we walk according to the Word, that Prince of Peace lets His peace flow down on us. Remember, we're three-part beings. We are a spirit. That's who we are. That has a soul that lives in a body. Our feelings are part of our souls. So that means we should absolutely consider them when we make decisions. But because we are spirits... We are spirit beings. We must allow the Holy Spirit to trump how we feel all the time. All the time. You know, there are mornings I wake up and Bob will say something. Oh, my gosh. He'll turn this light on. There's a particular light in our house that he loves to turn on in the mornings. It is fluorescent. It is bright. And it shines right to the bedroom. I don't know how that light gets all the way over there. But he turns that light on. I walk in the kitchen. I don't feel like being nice in that moment. But the Holy Spirit says, you need to thank your husband for making coffee. Be grateful. I can't be led by my feelings. We can't be led by our feelings. We are spirit beings. We have to let the Holy Spirit lead us. The Holy Spirit speaks to every believer, giving us wisdom and guidance. John 16, 13 says, The Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Now, that's truth with a capital T. Not his truth, their truth, your truth. No, no, no. That's a truth with a capital T, God's truth. James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, that would be me, let, God, let him ask God who gives it lavishly. God lavishes it wisdom on us when we ask for it. 
that's one thing that I have been so intentional about asking for since I had kids, and I didn't even know any better back then because I was pre-Jesus. But I would always ask God, help me raise these kids. Give me your wisdom. To this day, I still ask him, give me your wisdom. Give me your discernment because in and of myself, I will mess things up. But if I'm letting God lead me, then I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Listen to your feelings on a matter, but don't let them have the final say. Again, feelings change. Listen to God. He doesn't change. And he speaks to us in a lot of ways. You say, okay, listen to God. What does that mean? Listening to God means primarily he speaks to us through the Bible, but he also speaks to us through wise counsel. Now, when I say wise counsel, I'm not talking about worldly counsel. Remember, the world is at odds with God. I'm talking about wise counsel. People you know who are Bible-believing, who are walking the walk, talking the talk, their lives have fruit. They're living their lives in obedience to the Word of God, and you can tell. Because you can't fake that, y'all. You cannot fake living your... No, you, you know when somebody has fruit in their lives. Those, that's wise counsel. God will send people like that to speak to you, to give you wisdom and discernment. That's how he speaks to us sometimes. He also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. Never. But we have to know what the Word of God says so that we can test our feelings against it. The Word of God is the litmus test for our feelings. If what we're feeling is the right decision or the right direction to go in, it cannot contradict what the Word of God says. So I'll give an example. Hold on, y'all. It's about to get real. So if you feel like you're supposed to give money to a certain cause or a certain charity, but you're not tithing, that's not God talking to you. That's not the Holy Spirit telling you that. Because God's word said, bring the first fruits into his storehouse, the local church. The spirit of the devil will try to influence us in how we respond to God. These demonic spirits will attempt to use our feelings to get us to accept a counterfeit of what God says or what God has for us. Remember in the beginning, I read a scripture that says the devil is a father of deceit. He lies. He counterfeits. You try to spend a $20 bill the devil made, they're going to reject it and you're going to jail. The devil always offers a counterfeit of what God has. A counterfeit may feel good, and like it's the right thing to do, but it will lead us down a path that's far away from God. One thing I know about God is he's faithful and he values faithfulness. If you feel like God is telling you to do something and you haven't already done what he already told you to do, that's not God telling you that. He wants us to finish what we started. He finishes what he starts. He's the author and the finisher. Well, he expects us to do that. We're supposed to be walking it out, becoming more Christ-like, right? Finish what we start. If you hear that voice telling you that, that's a counterfeit. It's trying to distract you from the thing that God gave you to do. And if the devil is so busy trying to come up with a counterfeit to keep us away from what God told us to do, then what we need to do must be really important. It must impact lives for the kingdom. If you keep following that counterfeit voice or that counterfeit feeling, then that's going to lead you away from God and also right out from underneath the blessings that he has for you where he told you to be. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead us every single day, every single moment. Because you know what, y'all? 
Life is just too hard to do it on our own. We don't have enough wisdom to do it on our own. Raising kids, Lord, even if you're not raising kids, raising kids is hard. Taking care of kids is hard. Understanding kids is hard. They don't think like we think. We need Jesus to help us, to give us the wisdom and discernment we need. We need Jesus to show us what to do, tell us where to go, and how to respond so that we aren't making decisions based on a feeling because those feelings are often inspired by rejection and offense. The devil wants us to feel rejected and offended because he knows that that opens the door for all sorts of problems in our lives. And his ultimate goal is to get us to a place where we feel so rejected that we can't even receive God's love. And we won't believe that Jesus accepts us right where we are. That's his goal. Remember I told you the enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, John 10.10 says it. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So I want to leave you with a story of a little girl I used to know. This little girl experienced a tremendous amount of pain and trauma and rejection in her life. One afternoon, when she was four, it was raining, and her mom had put her out in the garage to play, right? Her mom was busy doing something in the house, so she told her to go play out in the garage. Well, that same day, the next-door neighbor came knocking at the door, and I guess the mom didn't hear her, so she went around to the garage and peeked through the window and saw the little girl in there playing. So she motioned to the little girl, open the latch. So the little girl gets up on her tricycle. Remember, she's four years old. She can't reach the latch. She gets up on the seat of her tricycle to stand up to be able to open the latch for the the neighbor lady, right? The mom didn't hear the lady knocking, so the little girl opens the latch. What had been raining, so the garage floor was humid and wet. Well, sure enough, the trike slips out from underneath her and the little girl bashes her head on the concrete floor. She busted her head open and had to have like 20 stitches to close it up. Now that strange incident was the catalyst that the enemy was using to plant seeds of rejection in this four-year-old little girl. The physical injury didn't kill her, so Satan doubled down on it. And he planted big seeds of rejection. The little girl felt afraid, alone, and ashamed. She was ashamed because she fell. And she was embarrassed by it. She was ashamed because she let her mom down and caused all this drama. She felt rejected because she was locked outside in the garage all by herself. She felt like she must have been a bother or they wouldn't have thrown her out in the garage and locked her out there. For many years after that, every relationship breakup, every scolding from her parents, from teachers, and later from bosses, Every time someone called her out, she felt rejection. She felt rejection because there was a root of rejection that the enemy had planted in her when she was four years old. Those incidents all throughout her life were like water poured on those seeds of rejection. Those seeds that had been planted when she was little bitty. I'm that little girl. By the time I was in my 30s, I hated.
when I cry. <laughs> By the time I was in my 30s, I had a root of rejection so big, so deep, that had just birthed such a spirit of offense in me. I was angry. I was a scrapper already, and it just made it worse. I couldn't be called out on anything. I'd make excuses. I would deny it. I'd blame other people. And I was so good with blaming and twisting things. I would defend myself. I would get offended. It was a mess. I would turn it around on the person who was accusing me because I had such a spirit of offense in me and so much rejection. I needed help. I needed peace. I needed stability. I needed a savior. Maybe you're here and you've been living on a roller coaster of feelings and emotions. You just can't seem to get peace in your life. You just can't seem to do stability. It just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it's in your life. Your feelings, you're going up about life based on your feelings and you're just like this, up one minute, down the next, up and down, up and down. Maybe you don't understand why you've been chasing things and just chasing and chasing and chasing and you never seem to be satisfied. Nothing satisfies. You never get there. Or maybe you've been rejected so much in your life, you just want to be accepted right where you are, right as you are. There's a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And He loves you so much. He loves you despite what people say. He loves you despite what you say. And he's waiting for you to reach out to him right now, right here. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, today's a great day to do that. If you're ready to surrender your life to him and surrender the striving, the roller coaster, the rejection, the spirit of offense, if you're just ready for some peace, stability, and you're ready to surrender it all to him, he's right here, he's waiting. All you got to do is pray a simple prayer. So I ask us all, just close our eyes in honor of this holy moment and in reverence to God. And if you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus, to turn it all down, to roll it all out and let God just take it up, then as a church, we want to support that. And so you won't feel alone or embarrassed. Let's just pray this prayer together. If y'all pray after me, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Take away my guilt, my shame, and regrets. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and that he rose from the dead. Today, Jesus, I ask you to come into the, my heart and be the Lord of my life. Make my spirit strong and ready to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.